Broadcasting live from the ranch, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Zeva, and I'm joined by my extraterrestrial life forms. Mila, Louisa, and Taya. And this is our last episode covering horror westerns, and we're talking about the new 2022 Jordan Peele movie, Nope. If you would like to hear one more bonus episode on this theme, then head over to our Patreon and pledge. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcasts app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at the Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In Nope, two siblings, OJ and Emerald, run a horse ranch, inherited from their great-great-great-grandfather who created a business training horses for Hollywood films. Their immediate father tragically dies after a coin and other metal pieces fall from the sky, and their horses gradually begin to go missing as strange screeches fill the clouds. Eventually, OJ spots a UFO, and both him and Emerald set out to capture it on film in an effort to alleviate their financial stresses. It's in a cloud. It's in a cloud. OJ! It's in a cloud! Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. Run, OJ! Run! So, guys, have you ever seen a UFO? Like, do you believe in aliens? I 100%. Didn't the government say, yes, there are aliens? At least the U.S. government? I mean, the universe is really big. So logically speaking, there's just other living life forms. Like, I don't think it's the way that we think they are. Like, little green dudes with big eyes. I'm sure it's different than that. I hope it isn't. Yeah, I believe in aliens. I've never seen a UFO. I really wish I had. But then I feel like no one would believe me. I would simply take a picture. I don't know. I like having stuff as like a, a secret that only I know about. Aquarius. <laughs> we need like a sound bite that we play every time you say something like, like Aquarius. Like a button that we press. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, I just sing to you every time you say it. I would want to take a picture of it. And I related to the two siblings immediately being like, oh, there's a UFO. We got to get it on film. Why is it so hard to get a photograph? That's what I don't understand. That's what made me, if anything, would make me feel like they're not real. Is like, why, if we have the technology to take a picture of it, I don't understand. I mean, it's hard to take pictures of the moon on smartphones still so imagine trying to take a picture of like a moving object in the sky why is like a leading discourse on alien abductions about getting probed up your ass like why (laughs) i think it just like showed up in enough movies to where it became like a fear but why did it show up in enough movies because it's literally like presented as the worst thing that could happen like if you're taken by an alien i mean that does seem like a really unfortunate thing to occur there could be so many other things that aliens do but they go no these alien life forms are going to definitely want to stick something up my ass it's because humans want to do that it's a human (laughs) impulse but it also probably was rooted in like fear of penetration We are six minutes in and we've talked about butt stuff, so... We give the people what they want. What can I say? The Monstrous Feminine is on Apple Podcasts, so please go leave us a five-star review and a little message. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout-out in our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week is Patrick Waisman from South Africa, who left us a five-star review and said, In love! I love horror, and it's so empowering to see women who enjoy it as well, because women tend to be demonized for really enjoying horror. You're right, Patrick. I'm so glad that you enjoy it. Wish you coolness in the heat wave in the climate change and whatever's going on here hope you have a fan a cool beverage 
Friendly reminder that we are also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion from our main episodes. And for £5 a month, you get all that plus a bonus episode. Please support us. Any contribution helps. What were you guys' experience watching Nope since this was like, I would say like our biggest release that we've done that's simultaneous with a theatrical release? Um, Especially because of the way Jordan Peele markets these films. I feel like this is the one to do it because Candyman, we know what it's about for the most part. It's a remake or a reboot. But Nope was so pure, much like his other horror films. We don't know the premise really, but I think this you really don't know. Like the way that the trailer happened, the way that we were even questioning if it was a Western and if we could do it in this category, like nothing was for certain. And I think more so than even Get Out or Us, that was how I felt about this. Even like three quarters of the way through, you're not really sure what the movie's about. Like the reveal has yet to happen. So I feel like this was a really excellent movie to do that with. And even being able to like categorize it in a genre, like is it horror? Is it sci-fi? Is it... A creature feature like there was so much mystery going into it there was one review jesse hasinger for nme and it was talking about how this film is genre hopping and they were focusing particularly on the comedy horror element and they said that jordan peele seems to imply that comedy and horror are both ways of processing the perverse mysteries of the world and looking at things we shouldn't be looking at i think it's right to point out the comedy in this film because that was my main observation was that how funny it was and i went to see it alone and i was just like giggling to myself the whole time like we all know he's great with comedy we had a background in comedy and like get out and us had funny moments in them i thought this one was particularly funny maybe because like kiki palmer is in it as well and she's just like hilarious to me and she was a lesbian delicious didn't expect kiki palmer to be gay in this loved it i love kiki she's so fun on the press tour too have you seen that compilation of kiki palmer not knowing who white people are <laughs> it's my favorite yeah. thing who the hell are they they did the trailer for this movie so well because they picked out like the specific points that would make you speculate about what was going to happen like the fist bump between steven yoon's character and the chimp and then like the compilation of like all the merch that steven yoon's family was selling so like there's so many things to like bait you into coming up with wild theories and you just will never get to what it really is so i think that was excellent chef's kiss and whoever did the trailer the music for this also like really worked well it kind of was like a Instead of like Indiana Jones and like some of the chase scenes, the Western adventure vibes. Also, the fact that we get the true Western thing that we were talking about in the previous episode of this being like a very unexplored town. This town is just really small. It didn't even really register on most people's maps. And when they tell the cinematographer that there's something weird going on in the town. He doesn't really even care or really clock where the town is until it starts being covered on the news. I wanted to know if you guys would classify this film as a horror western. I mean, I know it's under yes. our horror western theme. Neela says yes. Can you say why? Ty was saying it uses that like small town out in the old wild west sort of forgotten ghost towns setting all of those visual aspects of the genre but it's also very much like concerned with the western genre and its relation to american history and just maybe because it's contemporary people might not fully appreciate it as a a western but i think it's like full-on western in style and theme 
I agree with Mila. I would say that this is definitely like horror Western. It feeds into like the small town thing, but also the fear of the unexplored and the sky and space. So the idea that there's like all these monsters in the sky or like ancient things that exist in the sky that we don't know about, and then they can just pop up at any given moment and you don't know how they work or what systems they operate under is like a really interesting concept to introduce into horror western the monster initially kind of just looks like a cowboy hat as well so i feel like he just kind of took like the summer monster movie put it together with westerns and also just took like a very small thing an episode from a tv show and turned it into like this entire film and jordan pill is like a person who i feel like uniquely has the ability to take a sentence or like a 15 second clip or something he reads on the internet and turn it into like a phenomenal movie I remember like the story that Gordy is based off of. The lady had a pet chimp and it went feral. And like, I think sometimes like people's ability to get close to them makes them underestimate the fact that they're a predator, which is a big point in this movie. Just what you said about the fear being relocated to the sky. In the Western, it's usually like the vast barren landscape is where all the fears reside. But the new frontier is space and like what is beyond. We've already conquered the West. There's nothing left to see. There's a lot of like surveillance also with just the idea of something like watching from the sky. Technology and like modernity is still like a huge part of Westerns and like that tension between pastoral ideals and then modernity creeping in. I mean, obviously it's a horror, but I think like first I consider it sci-fi us the movie that i like didn't understand (laughs) i don't understand why that went over your head it's pretty direct it wasn't even that coded man i was misdirected by jordan peele and like followed him down a rabbit hole literally rabbit hole because i was really interested (laughs) in the rabbits and the science fiction element like what we were saying the first episode about like how the western is one and the same with american history we know jordan peele is super knowledgeable with his film history can take very broad interests and like Ty was saying something niche and create something like really masterful and I feel like with this all the components he used like the western the science fiction I was always just sort of vibing with them he's a film history nerd and you can like feel that come so strongly through it reminded me a little bit of Candyman when we were talking about like their satire of the art world this movie is just a movie about movies and movie making it's just so interesting the way he talks about Hollywood and ties it into film history with the jockey. Most people kind of have that image of that horse running, even if you just did like something broadly art related at university, because that's like an introduction into media studies. Jordan Peele takes that as a starting point for basically making a film about how movies completely skew our perception of reality, of history. Yeah, I agree that Jordan Peele is a master like blender of genre but like i think that's also through like his master references that he does like you said he is a film history nerd in one interview for ap he was talking about how he used sydney poitier's 1972 western buck and the preacher and there was like a poster of it and like a couple shots and peel just said that he included it because it was the first film he knew that had black cowboys in it and he wanted to like redefine the myth that cowboys were just white guys running around that was just a hollywood constructed image I also wanted to talk about what you said about how this is a commentary on the film industry. 
because I remember studying it also in my literature media introductory course. But I was like confused if the person was actually a black man. And apparently it's not necessarily the case. So there was an English photographer named Edward Moybridge. And other people had a bet going on about whether a horse lifts all of his feet off of the ground when running. They asked this photographer to set up 12 cameras take pictures of the horse and settle a bit and basically he put all these images together and realized that he could construct a motion picture by making a zoo practice scope but this particular image like known as the horse in motion was kind of known as like one of the first ones but that wasn't actually the clip that's used in this movie that's a later one which is from Moybridge's 1887 book Animal Locomotion whereas the first one was 1878 so for the first clip it's debatable whether it was a black man or just like the silhouette and the lighting because you really can't tell their skin color but in the the next one it's more likely to be a black American but we don't know their identity so it's still like I wouldn't say that this is completely false he's just kind of like playing with things we don't know about history and like you said that no one really believes that there were non-white cowboys, despite the fact that the whole culture was already in Mexico. In one of these reviews, someone was talking about the history of black jockeys is actually like an interesting one to talk about. But yeah, like in terms of how that was like hijacked by like white people, because it was black people who worked with the horses and the animals at first, right? This film does a great job at showing why documentation feels important because without documentation which is something that a lot of black people don't have the luxury of having because of slavery like we were never given an identity and even when Hattie McDaniel won an Oscar she wasn't even allowed to sit in the same room as the other people at the Oscars like she was treated like a second class citizen so so much of like black people's contribution to the history of cinema has been erased and the people that all Hollywood remembers are overwhelmingly just white people and documentation more broadly, I feel like, is important because like the video of the jockey, perhaps nobody would have believed it was like that there were black jockeys or black whatever at a time without video of it in the same way that there were people who were like, where are the slave ships? Black people are indigenous to this continent because there's no photos of the ships. There's no documents of the ships. But we do have photos of like horrible things happening to black people. So we know that those happen and that's true. But we don't document anybody's family history. We don't document anybody's contribution to work. We don't document people's art or anything it's just like all to the wind either because it's oral history or because nobody thought to record it um i'm not sure how true this is in the uk but i remember when we would do inventors like the only thing that they would ever really give black people credit for was peanut butter and there would be like an entire thing on george washington carver and that was the only thing that black people ever got credit for although there's tons of other things that black people invented and so like the idea that their family was like obsessed with documentation because it gave them skin in the game and it was their only way to actually be like since motion picture started we've always been there we've always trained the horses we've always provided them on set that was their only claim to it was having the documentation so i think it completely tracked they were like okay, in order to be the people who say that we found this, we absolutely have to have the proof shot. And they knew that it had to be an incredible shot because there would be more doubt because they were Black people producing the image. Them being skeptical of like let an angel in on the operation and everything to me just felt very real because there is such a risk, especially like when they do bring the cinematographer in and he finally buys it because he sees the stuff on the news. By that point, you have the TMZ guy showing up and it's all these white people came in and the guy, the cinematographer is like, I don't deserve the perfect shot and he's willing to risk it all so he can get the perfect shot. It had nothing to do with them. And it just really shows how much 
documentation is important to the Black community, but also how often people will take credit for things that they didn't discover because they know the original person who discovered it will never be given as much credit as them. And Angel obviously didn't do that. And I think in part it was because Angel was another person of color. But we see this so much with like the dynamic between them and the cinematographer. Even though he had the better camera and they were excited to have them there, they were all skeptical. They made sure Angel was with him and Angel was like, oh, he just ran off and said some creepy shit. Yeah, what we thought was going to happen, happened. Like there was definitely like a, a, a level of distrust because historically what has happened with people taking credit for things that they didn't do. I think that's really interesting. And I think that, again, Jordan Peele is so good at making such a, I don't want to say it it's going to make you sound like a bro, but a multifaceted kind of situation. But I just mean because I think that there absolutely is that need of like proof, documentation, bearing testimony and witnessing. But then it is put right up against with this idea that as an audience, we are beaten over the head with, which is this idea of spectacle. In the very beginning, we have this like Bible passage, which says, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile and make you a spectacle. It's like this idea of constantly of us turning things and experiences into monetized experiences and that was the whole thing as many critics have pointed out with Gordy Stephen Yoon's character just decided to profit off that and his character is also a person of color but I think more broadly the film is about how we turn like experiences into spectacle by profiting off them and that's what a capitalist system does it's interesting because in one interview so it was for rotten tomatoes jordan peele said that he debated calling this film little green men because it's like a play on like the concept of aliens but also like an obsession with money and monetizing experiences and i thought that was so interesting as a title and then he he eventually changed it to a singular word nope but there's a huge difference between like spectacle and documenting for posterity so i feel like had he named it something like that it would have veered too much in one direction when he's talking about like two different and related things it's funny because i genuinely watched this movie and thought i wonder if the original title for this was don't look up and he could just simply not use it after the movie that came out but it's just interesting because also like in the first sequence his father is killed by a coin falling from the sky and it is like this nod to like the idea of profiting off of something but as you said there is that tension because they need to profit off it because a they're losing their ranch like there's too much competition there is like a financial motivation here but also b no one would believe them someone else would get the credit and you know they've, they've lost all their horses like they're the ones who've been suffering because of this experience they've killed their father also interesting that on the coin it said in god we trust and like it's kind of the biblical notion of that like punishment because we create things into a spectacle but also george washington i think it's a george washington coin i think it could be a nod to the slavery era where black people were also treated as commodities and a source of entertainment as well and a source of entertainment and again talking about the origin of cinema this film is so critical theory rich because this whole idea of like marxism talking about alienation from a product and how that relates later on to you know the invention of the camera and how that renders people like ronald barth talks about it in camera lucidia talks about how the photograph renders a subject into an object and that has like a weird effect in our psyche and it's just interesting that this film also incorporates that into race because obviously black people were treated as objects or animals or a commodity to be traded so he just like intersects so beautifully this like critical theory world and like the history of film and it just all comes together so cleverly and Guy Debord in the Society of Spectacle also like talks about how the idea of spectacle turns us all into passive consumers of commodities like 
it's kind of like the process of reification as well, which is what Marx talks about. But as we give our time and energy, we're giving life into the product more so and we're passively watching things and film kind of feeds into that, right? Like it creates a spectacle for us to enjoy, but we're rendered as passive consumers. But at the same time, like he is doing that by making a film, right? And this idea of like mass reproduction of an image that like, you know, who owns it? Again, it goes back to ownership. It goes back to documentation. Very fascinating. And Jordan Peele did say at the start, he partly made this film because he wanted to create a spectacle because he was worried about the future of cinema. And he wanted to make a film that people absolutely had to go see. He said that in an interview for IndieWire. So it's like he's doing it, but at the same time critiquing it. And he's doing that with like several different concepts all at once. Like this idea of spectacle, but also documentation or like, you know, exploitation. It's all so interesting. I know we took the piss about him being like multifaceted, but he takes like an incredibly nuanced approach to the theory he incorporates in terms of like the photographic image, the cinema image, how that could tie into spectacle and then race, as well as just like American history as a whole is like insanely impressive in this two hour movie. The only director I trust to talk about race in the genre of like horror and layer it appropriately and you can make it flow seamlessly together so that it doesn't feel like point side by side. It's like everything comes together under one umbrella. The whole thing of the aliens, the way to like avoid them is to not look. There's this whole like active viewing that comes into play. Gordy's accident is horrific and he could have like, you know, shown us the brunt of the violence. It doesn't take away from it. Makes it worse. He's allowed to have some spectacle. Like you said, he wanted a spectacle. Spectacles are fun and they are not like inherently bad, but he could have like version to exploitative within that sequence. If you look at the history of the film image and how we started off with the photograph and then it became this like huge industry that essentially changed the way we perceive reality and our own history. We get that director character who wants to get the perfect image. And I think having him as a documentary filmmaker was really important in the context of like what Ty was saying about documentation. The boundaries between documentary and like narrative filmmaking pretty much collapse. And for him to kind of take that full circle to go through all of that like history of filmmaking at the end with Emerald trying so hard to get that one old timey picture of the alien. He criticizes where we've come up to this point of reaching that level of spectacle of exploitation but then at the end having the siblings get their proof get their claim to history it just gave it so much more complexity how can we use art how can we use film in a way that's and specifically for like you were saying the black community how can we use it to enrich us to keep records of our own history not so much like technology's taken over there's no going back it's not like so linear one thing about this movie that is interesting with the spectacle is the commentary that daniel kaluuya's character makes let me look at his name because i want to actually use the character name oj which hello oj that's a spectacle that we're not addressing the commentary he makes on saying jupe thought he had a relationship with the predator that protected him and he could feed it the horses and it would be fine and dandy, but you can't tame a predator. And I think so much of the movie comes from the the minor misunderstanding that Jupe has as a child, which is that his relationship with Gordy protected him. But in reality, it was that he wasn't looking Gordy in the eyes. He was looking at the shoe the entire time. 
So he was thinking, oh, he loved me so much that like I was able to be protected from this act of horror. And so he then misinterprets that relationship and goes forward and making an entire empire off of this misunderstanding. So I feel like in a way it's relatable to the same fact that filmmaking and content making holds a responsibility in which you're looking the predator of money in the eye and how much you can make if you just continue to feed the beast and you have this responsibility to control it. And there's not a real way to control it in the world that we live in today because there's the fact that it's so easy to make content. You can make a TikTok in 15 seconds. You can post a photo on Instagram. You can make a YouTube video, especially like on YouTube, where I feel like now there's a lot of boundaries crossed into what people will allow people to watch in order to make them feel relatable, like recording yourself sleeping or recording yourself while you're in the shower, but like tipping it upwards. And I'm like, people can understand that you had a shower by wet hair. The ability to continuously like let this beast feed into more of your life. And the cinema industry is also suffering from this because there's so many people who are forced with the decision of, do I want to make art that I'm genuinely proud of or do I want to make money? Because there's not a ton of money in indie film. There's not a lot of studios willing to put indie films in theaters for a significant amount of time. There are very few directors who people really give a lot of artistic freedom and thankfully Jordan Peele is one of them. But we have created this idea that people like to see things in one way, like that it's very easy to process. The film industry is very much taken over by a certain type of spectacle. And then content is overtaken in general by like social media, like people who want to edgelord things like talking about a ton of trauma on TikTok to shock people. These are things that people wouldn't normally do, but they in themselves have become the spectacle in order to get more views, get more validation, get more money. And this beast will never be fed. You can never offer it enough horses you yourself will be consumed trying to feed this beast that we've created. It's very hard to reckon with. The difference between Emerald and OJ recording the monster was like they just genuinely wanted documentation. I'm not saying they weren't feeding into the spectacle because they were, but in the TMZ guy's case, he was willing to die. He didn't care about his own life. All he cared about was just getting, he was like, show me what's about to kill me. I just need it on my phone. Just take my phone out. You don't have to save me. And then the cinematographer does the same thing. He runs right up. He looks into it. And we just have all these people who are willing to like, they're so in awe of the spectacle that they're willing to die for it. And in reality, it's not necessarily the beast that's in the sky. It's the money, it's the cloud, it's the followers. It's all of that that makes people go to these extremes or go online and just disclose unnecessary amounts of information about themselves. I think it goes back to the kind of Guy Debord, the society of a spectacle point, where I think that's what I meant by people become more passive because A, the experience itself becomes a spectacle because it's being represented on film and being recreated in so many different ways. So you don't even need to experience it. The experience itself has become like the sellable commodity. And that's why we get more kind of passive. But also like what you said, it takes it one further to say that you yourself become the spectacle and it's like you're becoming the commodity that's being like kind of traded here. But I wanted to go back to what you said about the shoe. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, the fact that he had a critical misunderstanding of that whole experience and, and then that cost him his life later on. Kind of came back to the whole bad miracle thing, which Jordan Peele kept going on about and like the shoe standing up on its side. 
was a bad miracle in the sense that it was like a brutal thing, but also him looking at it and the fact that it did it so coincidentally was what kept him alive because it was so distracting. He kept looking at it, fixated on it in his own kind of PTSD in his own mind. That was also Zosha from Millman for Polygon pointed that out. And then Copper Hood for Screen Rant was talking about how the miracle of the shoe kept him alive. So it's just very, very interesting. But also the concept of like the bad miracle was brought up by the music and I know you mentioned the music earlier and I think the music's really incredible it was by Michael Abels and on IndieWire he said that basically the idea of the music was this concept of bad miracle and it's about marrying the oh shit and oh my god he said it's both a little bit of a sense of awe like we would have looking at the Grand Canyon but also the urge to run away far away from the Grand Canyon because falling would not be good there's a dichotomy that's present in the film so in music you hear a little bit of awe and magic and then there's sheer terror but then there's also the sense of real epic adventure towards the end. So I thought that was interesting how all that comes together, even right down to the sound. I was going to go back, not a full step, but a half a step, I guess to the shoe, but also like relating to the spectacle point about what we see and what we don't get to see and what Jordan Peele is allowing us to, especially violence wise, like what is exploited and what is just implied. So there's a lot of implied violence that I wanted to talk about. The Gordy scene being like the prime example of it where I was expecting to see more gore. And I even walking out of the theater was talking to my friends about like, oh, I kind of wanted to see like a little bit of somebody getting mutilated a, a bit just because I, I like gore and That's horror movies. That's because you're a horror fan and we're all addicted to the spectacle. We all have our own thing that we like in horror movies. Like some people like a paranormal twist or some people really like slashers because they're surprising or they have like cool kill shots. So I feel like I'm into like interesting body horror, interesting gore. Like it's something that I find thrilling to see. So I was sitting there very close to the screen because those are the tickets that I could get. And like waiting to see that a monkey like grab an eyeball or rip a limb off like we were saying and like very much like with bated breath expecting that because I'm in a horror movie or what I expected to be a horror movie. And then, you know, we see a lot of blood and we can kind of imagine what happened, but we don't, we aren't allowed to see it. Jordan Peele doesn't allow us to see it. And I think to your point, Mila, it would be exploitative perhaps to if we did get to see it, especially if there's like children involved and things like that. So it was making a point by not letting us see certain things, but still being the most horrific, perhaps one of the most horrific scenes in the movie. Same with when the creature comes and starts sucking people up and digesting them or whatever is going on in that tube. It's a very claustrophobic, like we get the sensation, the visual sensation that we want without like seeing like bones being crushed or bodies exploding or anything like that. But then comes the blood rain. But at the same time, we know that somebody is seeing it, right? The characters in the TV studio, for example, they saw it. We also know that there's cameras on at all times during these things that are violent and happening. Somebody's filming it. So I bet in this world, I could go onto YouTube, look up this incident with the chimp and see it for myself in the same way that like, yo, early YouTube used to be truly the wild west. You could see beheadings on YouTube when I was a kid. Like you could just look that shit up. So you know, he's brilliantly making a commentary about like what people are seeing and what we're allowed to see and that those things don't align are almost a blessing to us and that like we get the spectacle without the exploitation. And he's sort of showing like it is possible, I suppose. So yeah, Mila, what you were saying made me think a lot about that. But also like as a horror movie fan, have to like reckon with like mm, the things I expect, 
the things I want, the things I revel in that are like exploitative or like go a step beyond where they need to go for me to get the information and still feel scared and grossed out and like anxious in the way that I am looking to feel. I mean, other people have pointed out the Spielberg kind of, you know, those close encounters illusions, you know, but also like Jaws in terms of technique, that idea of like not showing that attack actually makes the monster or, you know, the other far scarier because- Most scared I've been on this podcast. Really? Damn, that's saying something. I was like sweating. It creates more tension when you don't see it, when you are limited by somebody's POV and it, it does like, I think it was kind of beautifully done. I wasn't sure how much he was going to show and that was part of the anxiety of it. I'm talking less about the monkey, although I do agree with that it works there. But now I'm talking about like the wacky armed inflatable tube man, which like the cinematographer points out is hilariously stupid. That in particular was like the Jaws thing. Cause like with Jaws, you had like the yellow barrels and stuff and like things would like go duck under. But with here, it's like, okay, they're going to track it by having this like car battery hooked up to a wacky armed inflatable. And I just thought that was like, A, I'm going to say it, visually dynamic. Oh, honey. Multifaceted. Multifaceted, visually dynamic. Visually dynamic. I'm literally a podcaster <laughs> right now. Um, but it was You're just... You're so right, though. But yeah, it, it, it was like very Spielberg, I thought, in that technique. And then to your second point about um, as a horror fan expecting to see that, I guess horror fans, yeah, are the people who are most addicted to spectacles sometimes in film. Not the most, but one of. Anything that contains a lot of violence, right, is going to have like exploitation and spectacle like embedded into it. And westerns. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, and Westerns. Jordan Peele in an interview for GQ was talking about how the bleakness of 2020 inspired him to basically write Nope. And he said that the world's experiencing like an overload of spectacle and it's like a low point on our addiction to spectacle. Wanted to write about like being trapped inside and incorporate that into it. And then also for GQ, he said the villain is this otherworldly threat and it is something that everyone has in common, everyone's relationship to spectacle. So he's talking about how it is our addiction to spectacle. Like that's what this whole film is about. Saber, what you said about the monkey scene, the fact that cameras were rolling, it made me think of this documentary called Grizzly Man by Werner Herzog. It's all through archive footage of this man who lived with bears, footage taken by himself and tragically was killed by not a bear he knew, but a different bear. And the incident was caught on camera because of just the way the camera fell, it's only audio. And there's a moment in the documentary where he goes, the director, and he listens to it. You don't hear it as the audience. He's earphones on. You're just watching him react to someone being horrifically mauled. And I think he ends it and he says something like, to the person who owns the, the tape, destroy this. Don't ever let anyone else listen. He's just like completely overcome with emotion. And it just reminded me of that, like both the, the, the idea of like showing less can make something more impactful, but also just the idea that we do keep these really, even just the news. I know this is getting now like very like cooler. Keeping these records of tragedy of like horrific things. Do you know how many 9-11 videos you can find on YouTube? Like post towers falling interviews you can find people are like literally still covered in dust there's hundreds of them the alex jones trial that's a huge issue of like people don't believe it because it was not filmed of like school shootings where people have conspiracy about like well why didn't anybody film it 
I want to know what y'all thought about the visuals in terms of, I mean, the cinematography in general, amazing. So this is Voigt de Vorhoitema, and he was using Kodak film and 65mm film and IMAX, making it the first horror film in history to be shot in this format. So like it is visually amazing. But that's not so much what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how the alien UFO is represented. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm going to be real. It was giving blimp. I was unimpressed. I think that's very deliberate. I thought it was such a creative interpretation of like how everything that we've thought was a ship is that or the flying saucer was actually part of the animal. Like that's not a machinery at all. That was actually like the beast. I thought that was like the most original interpretation I've seen of like an alien spaceship or like an alien UFO or anything like that. So I loved that element of it. But then I guess this is just my own personal bias. Like Zeba has preferences in horror. Mine is that I like to see like a fleshy kind of monster and I didn't really like the kind of smooth it looked too much no, like fabric. So beautiful. I didn't like the fabric thing, but then I did go and look into it and apparently it's like alluding to this anime film Neon Genesis Evangelion and that has a representation of something called angels and again there's like biblical references and nope as well so that's my own ignorance for not knowing the reference that it was alluding to but for me I wanted it to be a little bit more fleshy and I know it was supposed to like according to Wikipedia the Caltech professor John O. DeBerry collaborated with Jordan Peele on his team to design jean jacket and apparently it was supposed to be a biblical angel form but also like sea creatures like jellyfish and octopi which makes sense because the electric field and like lots of undersea creatures have that but i wish it looked a little bit more like a jellyfish i thought the fabric element of it was just a bit it was not so much fleshy sea creature it was more too fabric blimpy like i'm really impressed for the people who were saying biblical angels when the trailer came out just from like literally the word bad miracle like you guys are the mvps there were so many people on twitter saying like it's going to be biblical interpretations of angels and i was like okay if a biblical angel came to earth we'd probably be like that's an alien to be fair the monster in this movie honestly like i thought it looked cool when it looked like a cowboy head in the sky i like that the final face off was with jupes like balloon blow up version of himself i thought that was really cool and i will say like i was more scared when jupe's kids were like in the hybrid ape alien costumes in the barn i was like oh no yeah that bait and switch was really stressful that was was so scary to me Woods and octopi are really intelligent animals that people really like to study. And there's even a lot of people who are like pescatarians who will not eat octopi or squid because they are so intelligent. The animal in the sky, jean jacket looking like one of the most intelligent forms of aquatic life was really fascinating because it kind of like blurs a line of like, who do we consider our equals mentally? I like that they made Jean Jacket look like uh, aquatic life. The ocean is super unexplored. The sky is unexplored. Really playing with what we can imagine up in our minds to exist in either of those spaces. And also like playing with the ideal of intelligent animals and the idea that we can tame things. Like you can't tame another person. There was a lot of close-ups of the horse's eyes. There's this dissonance between are like quite unique ability to not just look at something but to like have like a certain gaze like the reabsorption kind of felt like very monfilm it was very woomy very vaginal canal especially the red light I the was opening like, oh, yeah. was was super yonic when we see like a tilt up of it being like consumed being reabsorbed like it's quite damning it's basically being like our relationship with spectacle is consuming us and slowly killing us yeah, I don't think that's wrong, though. I think that was what the film was trying to comment on. 
in an interview talking about the alien lasso set, Jordan Peele was saying like certain films like King Kong, Jurassic Park, films that are about how humans consume spectacle and are addicted to it. And I feel like I had a take on that same notion. So the scene you're talking about, the the lasso kind of feeding the horse scene for an audience, I think it has some DNA connection to that idea that you can simultaneously invite an audience to a spectacle and indict them and yourself for putting it on and needing that spectacle. Also, he said another film that he would reference, or he would say this nope is similar to, is weirdly, The Wizard of Oz. There's a spirit connection in the commitment to spectacle and the ponderance on exploitation that the film represents in the movie. The tornado looks like Wizard of Oz in the film. Jordan Peele kind of is a believer in the UFOs, Um, not a skeptic. This was, again, for AP, an interview. The movie references when the U.S. government declassified videos of the Navy pilots encountering an unexplained aircraft. I haven't seen those. Have you seen those? Yeah. They've released videos of UFOs. It's, like, confirmed. Give me a link. But aside from that, Peel said, But what was most nerve-wracking or scary to me about the whole thing is that you'd like to think that when actual video proof of UFOs comes out, that something would change in our lifestyle, not it's really business as usual. It just proves that there is a desensitization to spectacle. We're addicted and we're in over our heads with this addiction. We have proof of UFOs or UAPs, but the interest with major public goes so far. It's very interesting. Who cares at this point? Like, if there are aliens... Join the party. Come join the hellscape. Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Monfem Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, witches out.